Welcome to the Gridiron Stud Show, a post-early National Signing Day edition. There's so much going on in the world of sports. Emil, I'm almost, um, I'm almost scared or hesitant to start the show because something else might break out soon after we're done here. I feel like we're at we're almost TMZ anymore. More things happen off the field some days than on. Matter of fact, most days. More things are happening off the field. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's just that we're more nosy um, or if people are just really out of control. Um, uh, probably a little combination of both. I mean, there's no doubt as we got older and we had this, you know, this, the, the social media and just the Internet in general in the last 25 years has made everything instantaneous. I think you and I are old enough to remember a childhood where you had to get the sports page. So things just weren't happening as quickly. Yeah, um, we had a little bit more time to digest stuff, but nevertheless, we've got a ton to get to on the show. Um, The NFL has fired a coach, and um, you probably know who that is, but there's more to come on this, that's for sure. National Signing Day, as I said, just passed. We got to talk about that. That was a wild one. It's probably the wildest one on record. Um, There's some bowl games coming up that we need to pick. There's an NFL um week that's coming up that we need to pick there's a lot to get to in the show today but as always before we do that i want to ask you guys that if you're listening to this podcast right now um go ahead and subscribe on whatever you use to stream whether that's apple spotify anchor whatever you're listening to us on please go ahead and subscribe we're putting out great content great shows our listenership is that a word amel listenership is a word that you invented if it isn't so you can claim it there you go our listenership is up we're making waves here we speak the truth here on the gridiron stud show so um go ahead and hit the subscribe button so you're notified next time we put out a show like this one if you're watching on youtube feel free to go ahead and subscribe there as well a lot of great stuff coming out on this channel along with the shows that we do great stuff i put out on defensive back work and uh as well as Um, I have solo shows uh, talking about recruiting and things of that nature. A lot of great stuff for you here. I don't want to get into all of that, but I promise you, you won't be disappointed. So hit your subscribe buttons wherever you are getting this from. You want to follow Emil on social media. He's on Facebook, Omeda, whatever the hell they're calling that these days. Um, EMI. Zuck's got a new name, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) There you go. E-M-I-L-C-A-L-O-M-I-N-O. Go ahead and write that down. Follow him on Facebook. Um, I'm easy at Gridiron Studs, whether that's Twitter or Instagram or even TikTok, if you're looking for some kind of recruiting advice as well, if you happen to be in that space. Speaking of recruiting, Emil, early National Signing Day came up yesterday, but um, we'll have to talk about that. Before I jump into that, the other night, uh, Brian Williams, longtime anchor and um, reporter for NBC News, signed off. Basically, retiring, uh, I guess, is the word we'll use, although, you know, he did give open the door for him coming back to do something. But he signed off from NBC in his 11th hour show on the MSNBC. And in doing so, he gave a bit of a warning to uh, the viewers out there, America at large, whoever watches the show. And he's pretty much talking about our lawmakers in this country. Um, I, I guess was this was a direct shot at Congress and, and not not Democrats or Republicans, both. Talking about they've put us all in a house and they've burned it down. 
basically saying we're kind of going to hell in a handbasket and it's at the hands of the leaders, the people at the top. And the reason I'm bringing this up is it sometimes that's the feeling that I have about college football. And I've been struggling with all of the new changes that have been happening because a, a part of me doesn't want to be the old man that's saying, get off the lawn. Um, you know, because I have a certain idea of how college football should be because I've been watching it for some time and I'm just trying to get, you know, move into the new space, the new college football that exists. And then also keeping control of my senses, Emil, in that um, there's some things happening here and all that glitters is not necessarily gold. All of these changes that are being made, I think we're just in a herd mentality, if I could use that word, just following along and just going with it and feeling like it's all good when in fact this just really might not be good at all for the game as we stand right well, now wait do you see how you immediately said about yourself so i don't want to be the old guy get off the lawn um you know the only advantage of age pretty much is experience but that's a big advantage okay mm -hmm. if you use it um because you you've been around long enough to see things and if you, you know, if you're observant, you, you hopefully you get smarter as you get older. And a lot of societies, especially the Asian societies, older people are held in very high regard. It's the exact opposite of what we do here in our country. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes it's OK to be that person, mm. even if people don't like it, like it, because you you're coming at it from a perspective of, hey, you know, I see where you're going with this and I get it, you know, what you're trying to do. but have you considered all these unintended consequences? And they obviously, in my opinion, haven't in college football. I just don't think so, man. And I'm looking at it right now in a short space of time, Abel. Uh, we can openly talk about and gamble on college football games. Um, you know, we, people have always bet on college football. Let's just, we know this. But it's just so, it's talked about so openly now, encouraged even, there are commercials for it. Uh, we have a transfer portal, therefore allowing players to just move at their whim. Yes, they're good. Well, wait, can I stop you? Let's go point by point, though, because you're bringing up points. I don't want to. You'll start with the gambling on college football part, because you and I are both, you know, over the years, neither one of us had any more bet on college football. We give out our picks on the show. We don't. But, you know, you get again with age, you get smarter. <laughs> but if you're going to bet, you know, listen to our picks. Hopefully they help you. But, um, you know, we're not against gambling, obviously, or we wouldn't be giving out picks. We just don't do it anymore. But you both, you and I both remember days when to place a bet, you had to pick up a phone and call a man with no neck okay, sure. and, and wait on the phone mm -hmm. and he'd give you the line and you'd place a bet. It, in other words, it took effort. It wasn't easy to place a bet. Yes. Now. People are just sitting around with phones, mm -hmm. not only placing bets, they're playing roulette, blackjack. How is this a good thing? I don't know. You know, there was, you know, and the, and the way that you described it, which is not not far off. Um, <laughs> right. There was, there was a deterrent there. So now it really was relegated to people who could, by and large, handle it or um, would probably suffer the consequences, but again, could handle that. Um, I don't know if I'm even describing that. Or were willing to accept it. They understood yes. the they understood the risk of. I'm calling a man that 
that probably has a crew of people that if I don't pay him if I lose is going to break <laughs> a yeah, bone in my and, body. Right. Okay. And, and this is not something a teenager would do. Right. Not something the church clergy would run to do, although right. you, you hear there. Yes. So now we've just made it easier. Well, they're going to do it anyway. Um, if we use that same kind of logic with parenting, I don't know where we'd be. Well, you know what? That 14-year-old of mine in that bedroom is just going to have sex anyway. So go ahead and have it here on the couch while yeah. your mom and dad. And by the way, and here's here's some bourbon so you can get liquored up. And yeah, feel good. right. We may even coach you up. How retarded would that sound? How ridiculous would that sound? So that's the, that's where we're at. So we can openly talk about that. Now we have this transfer portal where you can transfer at a whim. All right, Emil, I get it. There are reasons to transfer. As someone who's been in this business for a while now, I have gotten countless calls, text, emails over the years from former players or kids that I've had some kind of a connection with wanting to transfer from the school that they were at. This is pre-transfer portal. 90% of them, Emil, I would listen and I would advise to stay right where they were at. And I would say a good portion of those Emil turned out to have successful careers where they work. Can I use an analogy since we're using analogies? And I I really always felt this way about transfer portal. I kind of feel like what we've done with that is similar to divorce in our country, right? We're trying to find a happy medium. You know, let's go 50, 100 years ago, people got stuck, you know, specifically women more so got stuck in relationships with abusive men, couldn't get out of them. Divorce was so discouraged, and that was kind of where college football was with transferring. You know, basically, they made it very, very, very difficult for you to go to a different school. Mm-hmm. Well, we flipped the script now, and it went from, in my analogy, where, you know, it was very di- difficult to the point of not being fair to the point of now you just you can go online and probably do it in five minutes. Okay, <laughs> so, so it's kind of like. The transfer portal, that's kind of the way I feel we're at. It's just like you had a bad day of practice. There's no deterrent, again, to use your word on our previous mm. subject, deterrent. Mm. There's no deterrent to make you go back to your room and think about it. It's just you can act impulsively and say, I'm out of here. I'm bouncing. I'm done. Yeah. Imagine if you could, uh, if there was an app that allowed you to uh, file, file and get a divorce. Just the simplest. You know, In 10 minutes. Yeah. Clicking a few buttons. Um, and if you got your wife somehow to agree to a split of assets, um, you could go ahead and click submit by both of you. And it was a done deal. Imagine that now divorce is going to happen anyway, but imagine if we made it that easy, right? There has to be that moment of pause in anything that's serious in life. Like when you have major decisions to make in life, there should always be a moment that, that you pause and think about it for a while, you know, cause it's a serious decision. And obviously Changing schools when you're of that age, when you're in college, is a big life decision. You know, forget football. It's just a big decision. You should think about it for a few minutes. Yeah. And I think the public at large out there look at the positive ones that have been publicized. Jalen Hurts to Oklahoma, um, Baker Mayfield to Oklahoma, things of that nature. But they fail to realize that there are thousand plus kids in the transfer portal uh, many of which who won't find new homes. I personally know kids that went to transfer portal and failed to find another scholarship and just returned home and their college football career and their education is over with. They didn't find another school that was willing to. I would bet you there's more, maybe not to that extent. I don't know that, but I'm saying I bet you there's more that don't end with the wonderful 
you know, warm, fuzzy Jalen Hurts story than there is. Oh, absolutely. Overwhelmingly so, Emil. Overwhelmingly so, that is the case. And there's a high number of them that end up the way that I just described. You gave up your scholarship going in a transfer portal and you were not able to secure another one at another school. So we've got that going on. Then we have um, what was front and center yesterday, which is NIL deals. I've been struggling with this, Emil. I'm going back and forth on it. Um, At first, I was dead set against players getting paid to play uh, college football. And that's essentially what the NIL is. People can describe it however they want. Oh, they're finally getting a chance to profit off of their name, et cetera. I don't know if that's how we can describe it if this money is being given to kids who have not yet stepped on a college football field. However, no, you're, be, um, no, you're being paid. I mean, you know, the, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, you, you know, part of uh, the backstory here is going to be, a, a, you know, a guy that we both love as a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he seems to be, you know, doing well as a coach, Deion Sanders, how he got the kid from Florida State to go to Jackson State. My understanding is there was a huge NIL deal, right? Yeah. And yeah. And and we'll get into that. Of course, that's obviously going to be a part of what we need to talk about today. But it, we have these NIL deals and they're being um, in large part being given to kids to come to the school. I don't know how the players that are currently on these rosters right now feel about it. Um, if you're if you're at Ohio State and you are one of the quarterbacks that were signed to Ohio State last year and or you're already on the roster, you're a junior, sophomore, whatever uh, at Ohio State. And you heard a high school kid was getting a one point five million dollar NIL deal to come to Ohio State and he's not thrown a pass in practice. I don't know how you would feel about that, but that is the case. That is what's happening here. And I'm just I have felt. First of all, I was dead set against it. But when I started thinking about the way coaches move around and the, you know, turmoil that it causes for a player when a coach leaves and a new coach comes in and then there's the whole, does this system fit me? Does the coach like me? The coach wants to play his own players, the guys he's gone out and recruited behind me, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, well, these players deserve some kind of compensation. But the more I'm watching how these NIL deals are shaking out, man, Emil, I can't help but feel like this is not a good thing for college football. I could be well. The world, the word that comes to my mind when I think about it and I hear about it is greasy. It just doesn't seem right. Um, Something's something's not right. And again, we have to go back to say what 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 is college football? I mean, if we want it to be the AAA of the NFL, then so be it. But let's admit that because. If it's not about college any longer, and you're not telling me that education's worth anything, then I got to question what we're all doing here. It seems, I don't know, it just seems very odd to me. There's no limiting principle, if that makes any sense. I mean, where does it stop? So now some kid gets a million and a half. The next one's going to be two and a half. I mean, so w- where does this all stop? I'm uh, I'm not certain at all um, where this is going to go. I'm I'm just. I'm concerned just to just to be honest about it. I am indeed concerned about where it's going, um, where we're going to end up here. Everyone just thinks, okay, well, if it's money and these players are getting paid and it's all good, I'm just not sure where this is going to go. Well, I I think a lot of younger people, you know, they only know the game the way they've seen it, you know, and we're in that in between where we're not really really old we're middle aged and we know we remember what we used to watch and i just really don't feel that the game has improved actually in most cases i feel they've taken the sport 
Um, they've rendered bowl games. We've had we've had that discussion. They've rendered the bowl games meaningless. Mm-hmm. There's three bowl games that matter. Okay. Um, you got kids shifting team to team. Essentially, we've got free agency. Mm-hmm. This feels to me about as close as you could get to AAA sports at major Division One college football. As 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 you know, what I'm saying, does this seem any different to you? I mean, it seems like I'm watching AAA football. No, I think right now we're going to have a holdover of college football fans um, because this is what they've always known. But at some point, we might see a trickle, uh, a trickle down, a trickle off, and t- people getting turned off. By- we'll just watch the NFL. I mean, my thing, I always make a joke on the show when it comes up. I say, well, if I'm going to watch pros play, I want to watch the best ones play. So, <laughs> Sure, yeah. And then, you know, you've always made that argument um, that this is just going to turn into minor league football. We're playing, we're paying players um, pretty good amounts of money now to – and, and like I said, they have not even stepped on a college football field. And I just wonder what kind of animosity that's going to bring from the from from fan bases towards players. I just think that's going to make them more enemies, um, you know, of the fan bases. Uh, what do you say to a player who's made two point five million dollars in NIL deals when he throws interceptions or just really can't even perform? Because, again, we don't know anything. You gave him two point five million out of high school. Maybe he's not. A legit player. Does this happen in the NFL? Yes, but at least a guy has proven something through the college level before he gets to the NFL. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And these are grown, grown, grown men. Well, I mean, I had a guy on my my, my page the other day, and I forget what the initial conversation was about, but Michael Parsons came up. He's a Penn State fan, and he said to me, "Yeah, he's a great player. It looks like he's going to have a wonderful career. He could have been one of the best at Penn State." He went into detailing everything he fell short of in this guy's expectations at Penn State. And I said, well, I said, if he ends up wearing a gold jacket someday, I really don't think he, he cares if he replaced Todd Blackledge and Shane Conlon as Penn State greats. I said, listen, you're watching minor league football. You mm-hmm. need to understand that. Okay. These guys are, you know, there to go to the NFL. That's what they're there to do at this point. Yeah. Period. It's an opportunity to go pro. <laughs> at this sport that you're playing. And I hear the arguments from folks who say, listen, we've got coaches making eight, nine, $10 million a year, this $100 million contracts. These guys come and go. Um, I'm not in favor of all of the movement by college football coaches, but I do understand that these are grown men who've gone through, they, they have college degrees. You need one to coach college football. There's a bit of seasoning and growth. And now you're into a career per se, and there will be movement in a career. There'll be mobility in career. So um, I, I get that part of it. Would I like there to be less? Sure. Um, I've on, I'm on record for saying I think we fire coaches a little bit too fast, especially in college football. And when you start doing that, coaches start feeling a little antsy, even when they're successful at a job. They start moving because they want to move before they get shot. If you slow down some so of the let me firing, play devil's advocate first on the coaches. I'm with you on everything you've said about, you know, may, you know, I wish there was a way to somehow magically slow down their movement. I don't know if there is, but to play devil's advocate, no sport in my mind relies as much on a great coach as college football and basketball at the major, especially mm-hmm. at the, the high, the high levels, the sure. coach actually, it's everything. Many, he becomes the face of the program. The coach right. changes everything. Okay. Right. So I'm paying a guy 10 million. I got a hundred kids on a roster. 
let's take a school, Miami, USC. That's that's a quarter million, maybe three hundred thousand tuition over four years. Mm-hmm. Every time they run through the tunnel, that's twenty five to thirty million free tuition. Not to mention the uniforms, insurance, travel. I mean, think about what it costs to run that program. So one man making $10 million, while it's absurd to most of us, think about what those programs generate in terms of revenue and opportunity for the kids. If we don't, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is, if you don't view the education as an opportunity, well, that's that's where we're going to have to part ways. We can't even have a discussion. And I think that's where most fans are. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, so what? You know, the the education, that doesn't mean, it does mean something. It's not, it's not our fault if they don't want to take advantage of it. We got billions of dollars of debt in this country um, behind education. So don't tell me it doesn't mean anything. It means a lot. I mean, somebody, you know, saying to somebody, you've got an opportunity to maybe make the NFL, which is very small. I mean, you know that. It's very, very, very small. Of all yeah. these big schools, it's a tiny percentage of people that actually get to have an NFL career. So you got an opportunity to have that, but you've also got a free education from a top flight school if you want to take advantage of it. So, sure. And this thing's kind of turned into, uh, you know, I will hear people talk about, um, you know, I don't even remember the word that we use, but there are people that get up in arms about every, uh, participation trophies. It's what this stuff is starting to look like. Participation trophies. All right. We say, oh, a guy will go play college football. He'll put it out, lay it all out for the team and the university. And then, you know, he gets injured or it doesn't work out for him in the NFL. And that's just up in smoke. It's not how it is. I'm I'm one of those guys. That's not how I view my college football career. And NFL did not work out for me. But I had a tremendous experience. I got an education out of it. I met great people. And I parlayed that into my post-football life. And, and so, you use, yes, you used a lot of that in, in, in your in businesses that you've developed. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't up in smoke. It was a great experience. It is what you make whole, it. But say right, you whole, give everyone money because they played college football and they put on a uniform and they got in pads and they went through practices and they tackle, et cetera, et cetera. It really seems like a participation trophy. As yeah. you described it, it's a chance to go pro. And you go and you give it your best effort and hopefully you make it. But if you didn't, you had that experience. Hopefully there was some growth and um, you learn all the lessons that football teaches you and you apply it to your post football life. Do you well, let me ask you this. Let's that? do this, right? Alabama. What, what we consider them the, the gold standard right now in college football. We agree there. Correct. Okay. They got a hundred guys on their roster. Fair to say 10 every year, make it to the NFL. Uh, at this point, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Okay, so uh, at any one time, they've got 40 future NFL players on a roster of 100. The best program, the team that's won six national or seven national championships in the last 10 or 11 years, even them, only 40% of their players make the NFL, and that's the highest. So now take a team like Texas, which is a great program. Theirs are probably down about 15% right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it goes down and down. And then think how many kids play Division One Power 5 football. You're talking such a small percentage yeah. that will play in the NFL. Those people don't even realize. Yeah. And, you know, there'll be also those who say, well, players have always been getting paid. This has been going on for a while. Now we've got NIL deals, et cetera, et cetera. Listen, 
uh, there were guys that were taking steroids in baseball. What if we just allowed it? What if we just said it's cool? You guys just take steroids. What would it be? Again, your your key word. You hit a key word early in this, and you didn't even plan it. The word is deterrent. Yes. There's a there's a deterrent to the bag man. Okay, because if you get caught, you become SMU. Okay. Right. So, Tarred and feathered. Tarred and feathered. And I just feel like this is where our society is going. You know what? People are going to speed anyway. Let's get rid of the speed limits. What would be the ramifications of that? I drive 80. If I knew there was never a cop on the highway, believe me, it'd be a lot higher. Sure. (laughs) And there'd be teenagers out there doing 120 everywhere. Sure. With no ramifications. So we're just pushing through and allowing everything. And I don't think we're thinking about the long-term effects of this. What we're just thinking about is money. It's money right now for these kids. And they should be compensated for their hard work, et cetera, et cetera. No one's willing to do anything now without being paid for it. Like, imagine if you went to your dad and said, Dad, I saw one of your pay stubs, and <laughs> it seems you're making 75000 And right now, I'm around here cleaning these bathrooms and these dishes and, you know, cleaning up behind you and mom sometimes. And I'm just not seeing my cut here. I just, how fast do you think? The right side of your face would be on the left side of your face. That's uh, ex- and exactly, and maybe and maybe there's. I couldn't even dream a scenario where I would tell my dad that. No, no, and maybe there's something to be said for that that period of time that we grew up in to a degree. I mean, I think I think you know we've gone from one extreme to the other. Now we're in the, the world of complete silliness, and yeah. and that's what you that's what I think when I watch college football and what they're doing to this sport and the money being thrown around. I just see it as utter silliness. Yeah. So, Amol, like Brian Williams, listen, I'm not signing off. I haven't signed off. I will tell you more so over the last four or five years. I've had those moments of just, man, you know what? I might be done with this sport. You know, my kids are done. They're through it. You know, why do I care anymore? And I, yeah, I still continue to care. But, man, I've, like I said, I've had those moments more in the last five years than I've ever had. I've never had them, you know. Well, I mean, I used to be somebody, I still watch like my team, like I care kind of what they do, but I'm not as, like, I, I have more emotional investment generally in the NFL now, just because I feel like I'm not kidding myself. I know they're getting paid. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with it. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, they, the, the league where they, they play for pay as they yeah. used to say. Yeah. I'm you okay earned you earn that. You earned that right. Just like I got my Ooh. five, four, five year degree and I went to IBM or Microsoft or whatever. I Ooh. earned that. I feel like I'm kidding myself if if I put too much emotional investment anymore into college football. And I still like watching the games. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. Obviously, we're doing a football show. Of course, I like watching the games. But I'm not going to invest a ton of emotional energy into a sport where basically, you know, you can come along with a million and a half bucks and get a recruit. (laughs) And it's perfectly legal. Uh, The kid that went to Ohio State and stayed there for a semester got $1.5 and ended up going to Texas, the school he originally committed to when he was in high school. Um, is that, is that what we want? Is that where we wanted to be? Is that how we want things to go? Um, Texas sure. probably feels like they got a deal. At least they didn't have to pay him. Of course. And <laughs> you know, um, I, I mean, it's all good until it happens to you until a kid commits to you on an NIL deal. Having said all of that, one Deion Sanders is doing, um, a really, really great thing, but then he's also a part of this whole cycle that we talked about. The great thing that he's doing is restoring um, the honor and attention and, um, 
you know, bringing some eyes to HBCU football and whether fans out there, longtime fans of the NFL, um, know it or not, remember it or not, HBCU football has been a big contributor to the NFL. Um, if you've been watching huge. 30, 30, 40 plus years, um, it's been a huge contributor. Walter Payton, Jerry Rice, um, Michael Strahan, you know, I can go through a number of names. And we reached a point where um, it, we hit a valley there. You know, it just wasn't producing like that anymore. I, we could go into the history of it or why that has happened. And it just fell completely off the map. It left just like, you know, um, Eddie Robinson. Uh, basically, when he was gone, HBCU football was gone, out of the consciousness. Right. And him going back to it has brought a tremendous amount of attention to it. ESPN's paying attention now. They're televising games. He's constantly promoting um, HBCU football through Jackson State, where he's the head coach. So there is a system that exists now and one that has NIL like, uh, like we talked about. Having said all that I've said, I am not mad at all at what Deion Sanders pulled off yesterday. And in case you didn't know, Deion Sanders yanked the number one recruit in the country away from his alma mater, Florida State, because that's where the kid was committed to and all but headed there until late Tuesday night. He was headed to his alma mater, Florida State, and through what appears to be um, a rather lucrative NIL deal with Barstool Sports, who Dion has a contract with, was able to essentially lure the young man away from Florida State to Jackson State. It brings a tremendous amount of publicity to Jackson State and HBCU football. Um, it does illuminate the whole idea with the NIL. Is this a good thing? Do we want kids making choices about their career and their future solely based on NIL money? Um, that's a discussion we could get into or that needs to be had either now or at a later date. Whatever the case may be, this is the system that exists. Deion Sanders used it to his major advantage, and it was a big win for Jackson State. I'm not mad at Deion Sanders. I think it's great. I think it holds the mirror up to college football and lets them look at it and say, is this what we want to be? He, yeah, just, he just beat them at their own game. That's fine. Yeah. You know the similarities I draw here? It was 1994. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa going back and forth, smashing home runs. Everyone's happy about it. And Barry Bonds is sitting there with his 45 or 46 home runs, and no one's paying attention to the best pure hitter I think I've ever seen in the game. And one of the best five-tool all-around baseball players that's ever played the game. Ever. And, and <laughs> yes, and he's just sitting there in the shadows as they watch these two behemoths jacked up on juice, um, smash home run after home run. And then Barry says, oh, okay, you guys are not going to do anything about this? Watch this. And, and you know what? That's exactly the way I heard. I heard the story, and I don't know how true it is, that he was at some point when that was happening with – or around Ken Griffey Jr. Mm -hmm. And he pointed and said, look at these two guys. You know, he knew what they were. They were right. good players, but they weren't that. Right. And he, and he said something to the effect of, they want to see home runs, I'll show them home runs. Yeah, and damn it, did he show them? <laughs> yeah. He freaking showed And everybody's them. mad at him. Yeah. And that's, you know, like a whole other tangent we could get on about, you know. They, but the way that that them. went was so yeah. on par with their personalities. I could see them having that conversation and I could see Ken Griffey saying, nah, I'm not going to go that route. And I could see Barry Bonds because we all know he was explosive. Um, he had he was an explosive character saying, well, that's you, Kenny. I'm going to go this route. 
They want to laud home runs. They want to hold it in high esteem. No matter what, let me show them home runs, 71 of them. And however, 9,000 he ended up with in his career. And I'm going to show yeah. you a bases loaded walk. And I'm going to show you a home run every time you put that thing near the plate while I'm on this juice. Since and now he's, he's a bad guy, remember. He's, they made the rules up. They, meaning management of baseball, they didn't make it illegal. But yet he's the bad guy. Well, guess who's a bad guy this morning outside of Jackson, Mississippi? Deion. Deion Sanders is a bad guy. Florida State fans are burning Deion Sanders memorabilia. They're, they're cussing him out on social media. That has to be a bunch of white people. No question. Um, yeah, because only white people burn stuff. Yeah, well, yeah we established up, that. We're into that. We're into that. Just give yeah, it to the goodwill. Uh, yeah. our, our folks are going to find, we're going to repurpose that <laughs> whatever the hell it is. <laughs> Deion Sanders jersey can wipe down a counter or be <laughs> on our head when we're mowing the lawn. We're not burning it. I'll tell you that. No. But he's a villain right now outside of Jackson State in the HBCU community. The powers that be in college football, Power Five, do not like this NIL thing seemed like a good idea until Deion Sanders came along. And uh, reportedly, Emil, it's $4 million for this kid. That's the number I'm hearing, $4 million for this kid. And hey, let's just be honest, Emil, $4 million is going to change a kid's mind. It's going to change a family's mind. We don't know what will happen if I go to Florida State. I don't know if I'll be the guy. I don't know if I'll get injured. You're telling me right now you can give me $4 million before I step on the field and get hit by anybody? Yeah. Listen, for $4 million, I would have played college football for Johnson Technology. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Right, and probably get beat 111 to nothing every year. Right. So, yes, that's going to be a motivating factor. And I'm saying, is this what we want in college football? It's currently the system that we have, and Dion is using it to his advantage. I'm not mad at Dion, so I don't want anyone hearing me go on this tangent or hearing Emil and I go on this rant about it, feeling like we've got anything against Dion Sanders, because I don't think either one of us do. This is a system that's- Nope, he took, the, he took the rules and he used them. That's- the problem, don't be mad at him, the player. Be mad at the rules. Be mad at the game. Don't be mad at the player. Yes. So one of the unintended consequences of what happened yesterday is maybe now you really take a look at NIL. And I don't think we could put the toothpaste back in the tube um, using um, a term, uh, you know, or saying that you've said here before. I don't know if we could put the toothpaste back in the tube, but man, we can definitely put a regulator on there and make sure that thing doesn't spray everywhere onto the sink and on the mirror. Yeah, in front of- and they're going to listen. They they see some of this now. People, even coaches are admitting it that the the early signing day, they're going to move it back. They're having their coaches meeting. Supposedly, this is getting moved back into the middle of January because the reason you have the early coaching movement is simple. You have early signing day before the season's over. You have coaches that want to be able to recruit a class that year and not come in empty handed. Therefore, they're leaving teams middle of the year. You're getting guys fired middle of the year instead of finishing the year. It's just the unintended consequence is they didn't anticipate it. And that's what now they're going to have to adjust. Amal, I'm just sitting here thinking of myself as a college football coach making $250,000 a year to coach um, boys, especially. You know, you, what part of your job as a college football coach is to raise 18-year-old boys into 21-year-old, 22-year-old men. And I'm just thinking of myself as a $250,000 guy um, trying to call in an 18-year-old who's got $4 million in his pocket and trying to explain to him that he's going to need to come in at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning because he missed a tutor session and he's going to need to um, see the strength coach. He's going to need to do some rolls on the field. He's going to need to do some lunges. He's going to need... 
This kid has $4 million in his pocket. Um, he, yeah. knows, he knows he's going to be around. What kind? And the kid tells me, coach, I ain't got, I ain't got time for that. I don't have time for that coach. <laughs> yeah. What, are you, what, what am I, I going to do? What nothing. am I going to do? Am I going to send this kid off? I'm going to say, coach, man, this kid ain't, this kid's not going to get it done. He's undisciplined. We can't on him until like kid, I, we need to get him out of here. Got $40 no. he's going to leave with. Yeah. I mean, it's just, again, I think, I think people made some snap decisions along the way the last couple of years, and they really never played a game of chess out to say, well, what's the, the, what's the move two steps ahead? Mm-hmm. And, and they never really thought it through. And I think now they're, you know, again, we're going to need, like you said, a regulator, some adjustment here, or this thing's going to spiral out of control and it's going to be quickly. Well, I don't have the exact details on this, but I know the state of Florida, um, ironically, and they say it's only ironically, it's nothing planned, yesterday pushed through um, legislation about the state of Florida being able to, the, the, the schools, the state schools, in Florida being able to pursue NIL deals for players because prior to yesterday, you were not able to do that. It had to be an outside organization that would organize and present NIL deals to recruits. So you mean the school, you mean the school pay the kid direct? Um, I don't know about it being direct, but the school could not play a hand in organizing any kind of NIL deal for. for well, if they can play a hand in it, whether, the, whether the check says Florida state university or, you know, the Emil Calamino Corporation of Florida State comes to me as a booster and they're playing a hand in it. Essentially, they're paying the kids. Sure. So, again, yeah, however you want to draw it up. You couldn't do that prior to yesterday. Um, ironically, as of now, you are able to do that as a state school in Florida. Uh, they swear it has nothing to do with Florida State. Um, you know, losing. So am I a grumpy old man if I call it AAA football? You are not to me, but, you know, to the 20 something or early 30 something out there that might be listening to the show. They're probably bobbing their head right now and said, look at these two guys. These these guys are the guys in the in the balcony at the Muppets right now. Um, Yeah. okay. well, I call it I call it what it is. I mean, you can give it any name you like. Yeah. Uh, I wonder where we would draw a line, though, where what would be the line for the 20 something year old? Or the early 30-something-year-old, would it be like, oh, okay, all right, we're, we're out of control. What would it be? Like legalizing? They were, there is, I don't know if they have that in, the, in their toolbox yet. They haven't lived long enough. So right now they're chasing their paper chasers at that age. Everybody's chasing the money. They're paper chasers. That's and, really you know, what we've all become about. Um, just really, if it makes money, if it puts money in someone's pocket, it's all good. Doesn't matter. Doesn't, doesn't matter. And, you know, here's the thing. When you get a little older, you have some perspective on that and, and your views change. So I'm not sure there is a line for them. And that's not even, I'm not sure there was a line for me at that age. Maybe I wouldn't see it either. I don't know. Perhaps. Um, I got to dig back into my 25 year old brain. I know I've always had some kind of moral structure though. Well, morals. Well, I mean, we're not talking anything illegal here or bad. We're saying ruining the game. I'm not sure. Well, stop. I got to stop you there. Cause that's one of my pet peeves. I don't like when we in this, and I know this isn't you, just, that's just how it came out. I don't like when we draw this conclusion that l- legally right is also morally correct. Oh, no. I, I, believe me, I know, I know there's a distinction completely, and I, I hear you. I'm saying in this case, I'm not even sure we, we can say, um, um, I'm not sure if we can, you know, we'd have to get in some philosophical debate on this one about morals. Maybe it is, but and I'm we'd never to come it. to a conclusion in this. Country. No, I just sure. think the, I think at that age, it's very hard 
for a 25 year old to hear two people like us saying, you know, these guys, you know, you, you, you're not helping them. And they're like, what are you talking about? Giving a kid a million boxes and helping them. Mm-hmm. A million bucks is a lot of money to a 20 some year old. When you realize how long your life, if you're lucky, can be, you can blow a million bucks pretty quickly. And if you got no way to earn going forward, mm, it, it, I didn't do you a favor. I'm just worried also too, Emil, and I'm, you know, I'm happy to see what Texas did in giving, you know, $50,000 to every one of the linemen, but I think linemen are going to really be lost in this whole thing. Um, so on top of, you know, people that are already on the roster that don't have this stuff and we're going to watch recruits come in here wet behind the ears with money. What's going to happen? Think about how they- funny you just, what you just said sounded. Take a step back. I what? think it was great that Texas gave 50000 everyone. <laughs> to every lineman, you know. No, but I'm saying if you said that like 20 years ago. Oh, years, it would sound ridiculous. Yes. It sound ridiculous. I think it was great. They gave 50 grand every line. I think that's great. At a ton of other places, it's only going to be quarterbacks and wide receivers that are going to get this kind of money and maybe a DB here or there. Offensive and offensive linemen are going to be left out of this whole, you know, pot. Uh, most likely well, let's put a bow let's put a bow on this segment i'd like to end it saying this to you maybe cam newton's father was on to something oh for heaven's sake <laughs> well cry for the love of god um because his father was a pastor you know come on um yeah crazy stuff here uh we got to get into some picks man but before we go there Amel, there's absolutely positively no way that we can ignore this I'm going to say this, Emil. Um, this is a man that I've met that I happen to like on a personal level. Clearly, I don't know him, and I think there's a bunch of people out there who don't know them. Late, 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 and I mean late last night. I'm getting ready to turn in, and I was turning in late, and I get the message across my phone that Urban Meyer has been fired uh, after going 2-11 and 11 in his, his short stint as the Jaguars head coach. It we both know it's more than just the two and 11. There've been guys that have come in that have, you know, been given a reprieve with that type of record before. There's just all the other stuff, the content that Urban Meyer seems to be constantly providing for us now. Um, and Amy, let's just skirt by the obvious. He's been fired. It didn't perform well on the field. I am now, Emil, concerned that he's damaged goods at any level. I could see Urban Meyer trying to get back into college football at its highest level and being denied. I see him having to go to Hugh Freeze route where you're going to um, a, a far less publicized program. As we were getting on the air, Emil, I sent you a video. And oh, yeah. Video, uh, for those of you, again, who have not had a chance to see it, this is apparently Emil, um Urban Meyer on a boat doing an interview with I don't know who, but it's a video interview. I guess it's Zoom, and he's on a boat, apparently, and there's a mirror behind him. Unfortunately, just freaking unfortunate. This guy's really unfortunate. Um, there's a mirror behind him, and in the mirror, there appears what is obviously a shirtless man. Let's just hope that, all right? All we can see in the mirror is from the waist up. He's shirtless. Uh, we're just going to hope that that's all that it was. <laughs> all right, that's where I'm going to leave that. On top of that, apparently, the guy's hitting a bomb. <laughs> All right. I'm not joking, folks. <laughs> I saw it. I'm not joking. This is real, real stuff, real stuff going on in the world. He's hitting a bomb while uh, Urban Meyer 
wax poetic on what's needed to develop young men as bong noises are being. <laughs> well, I mean, over, you know, you, but you said over the melody, Emil, of bong noises. Listen, you said something at the beginning of this segment. I'm going to I'm going to correct you first. You said I like him personally. Let's be honest. The act that he showed you was to get one or both of your two excellent sons to go play football for him. So he was putting on a show. You don't well, know. He's a likable character in what at least he shows publicly. I'm sure many people will attest to that. The public persona of uh, Urban Meyer is very, very likable. That obviously has played itself out in his career up until now, until he kicked Josh Lambeau. That is the case. Well, maybe, but maybe we need to ask, maybe, you know, the old where there's smoke, there's, there, there's some fire, you know, the, the, the accusations with the coach at Ohio state who was hitting his wife and, you know, urban did his best Sergeant Schultz for you younger people go look up Sergeant Schultz. He was a character in a TV show. Okay. He said, I know nothing. You know, I know nothing. He did his best Sergeant Schultz. Maybe mm-hmm. there's something too. maybe urban Meyer that we see is nothing more than a facade. Um, it would appear so, Emil. Unfortunately, um, it appears so. It's just there's just too much outside of the lines right now. There's the stuff with the with the young lady earlier this year. There's how he kicked off this whole tenure with the Jacksonville Jaguars hiring um, a racist strength coach. There's stuff that dates back to Ohio State. There's stuff that dates back to Florida. Obviously, um, how he didn't really police the players there, and you had um, you had a killer on your team. Um, that's one that's going to go down for you. Had you had yeah. a pastor, um, the holiest person you'll know, and you had a killer on your team who showed serious tendencies while he was there that went unchecked. Um, there's just so much content outside of the football field for Urban Meyer. Now, on the heels of getting his Urban Meyer's last 24 hours, story comes out. Listen, anyone who says kickers can't get it done better rethink that whole thing. Because I know there was a locker room full of guys in Jacksonville that wanted this man out of there. I know there's a whole fan base, however many people that is, a couple thousand (laughs) Jacksonville Jaguars fan base, that wanted him gone. And it seemed like he was immovable. It wasn't but maybe two weeks ago. The owner gave him a vote of confidence, said we're bringing him back. And that was all until late evening last night. We got the story about Josh Lambeau, the kicker, former kicker for the Jacksonville Jaguars, talking about how Urban kicked him in the leg while he was stretching and told him he need to make those kicks and, you know, in less colorful language. Um, and then he gets fired. And then this video comes out today that we're going to be dealing with the whole day with this, again, hopefully just shirtless man hitting a bong. And then on camera, you see Urban Meyer, like motioning with his face, you know, the kind of face you give your kid in church when he's tripping in the front rows of the pews. Um, to knock it off. I'm actually doing an interview here and this could be detrimental to my career. Yeah. And you know what? I I watched that again after you showed it to me before. I don't know. Urban might have been partaking in that at some point prior. Oh, come on, Emil. Are you kidding me? (laughs) If there was ever a reason to hit the red button on a Zoom uh, meeting, it was then. Yeah. We're not going to see these faces you're making. Who did you think we thought you were talking to? No, but I mean, he, he, I mean, he, he looked like he was a little bit like blitzing for the, Dor- for the Dorito bag. Yeah, he was full on red man, <laughs> method man, you know, whatever the case may be. He was baked. Yeah. It seemed he might have been baked and was like, look, can we save this for later? But 
God almighty, a lot of conclusions are going to be drawn to that video. I think he's toxic, and I really think you're spot on. You know, you and I were uh, having our our chat with, uh, we have a, a three-man chat going about where he might end up, and uh, I had suggested, kidding around, maybe USC needs to fire Riley immediately. I'm kidding. Um, so I said, what about uh, What UCLA? did I say? I said, I could see him in the Pac-12 next. Then I saw this video, and I was like, you know what? No. This is I mean, UCLA, for as much as I have fun with them, because I'm a USC fan, they hold their academic reputation in, in high regard. I just couldn't see them doing that. I, yes. I just couldn't. I don't know the landing spot for for Urban Meyer. Let's say something crazy happened and Marcus Freeman just didn't get the job done at Notre Dame. Um, they're supposed to be holy. Are they taking that guy? Don't I don't think so. I mean, uh, if, I they did, if they did, if they did, it takes all their credibility of all the things they try to sell at, to their fan base and, and burns it up in smoke. Yeah, I say do. touchdown Jesus comes off the wall and blocks that. I don't <laughs> yeah, that yeah. I don't no. know where you're going to ACC. Dabo Sweeney's not leaving. Um, Miami just got a new coach. Florida State just extended their guy. And I don't think, you know, you're going to go across I-10 from Jacksonville to Florida State and not catch mad hell. Just don't know where he's not going back into the SEC. Um, I don't know where this guy goes. And so it looks like it would be all out of power five, at least. Uh, maybe FCS if he really wants to coach, or maybe, man, you just take the money from the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I'm sure there'll be some litigation on that for sure, and uh, ride off into the sunset. Yeah, I think I think your best bet with him, if you if I'm his agent, my advice, I'm going to say, lay, you're going to get paid. You have a lot of money. Lay low for a year. Somebody will do something dumber and then go back to TV. I think his coaching career, I'm never going to say never, but I think it's going to be very hard for him to have the kind of career he would want a guy with, with his resume to go back, you know, is he really going to go out of the power five? I mean, come on. I don't know. Um, you, like I said, I, I did bring up Hugh freeze who left Ole Miss and Hugh freeze ain't her urban Meyer. <laughs> um, yeah, I would agree. You know, I would, I would agree. Um, man, I don't know. what does it say about him forgetting all the other stuff we talked about because that's all ants, but what does it say about him? as a person if you're kicking your own players i mean not love tap bill parcells hey man you're gonna make it next time i mean the way i understood that conversation it wasn't uh, he was trying to pump the guy up it was almost a threat yeah listen amal i grew up in an era where um and this would happen to me on my little league team where you get grabbed by your face mask um and sure. that could happen while you're standing or sitting you get picked up by your face mask with your head still in it um, and you might get thumped by a coach, might throw a ball off your head, might do something like that. I grew up in that era. Um, and while I would not entirely excuse stuff like that, it was for motivational purposes. And the way this was described, albeit from Josh Lambeau, didn't seem to have any of that. It was just, uh, I want to just let you know how heavy my balls are. And yeah, uh, I like some prison intimidation type thing. Yeah, I mean, I played baseball for a coach who used to hit you with a bat in the nutsack to make sure you had your cup on. Whoa. <laughs> so Can you imagine the baseball. ramifications of leaving that in your dad's trunk? There was ramifications, and you never did it again, <laughs> right? So you learned. It was motivational. It wasn't done. Yeah, uh, come on. Um, but, yes, uh, that's just how it seemed, and I think that probably is what threw it over the top. That or maybe the owner saw this video we saw today before all of us and said, you know what, let me get out ahead of this thing and fire this guy. He's a disaster. You know, if the NFL really wants to fix that franchise, I think they really need to start looking at, you know, maybe forcing him out. Everybody's focused on Dan Snyder. 
mm. Dan Snyder, this Dan Snyder, that this guy's eclipsed in my mind, the Washington football team as being an abject disaster. I kind of liked your suggestion today. You had over text where we moved the Jacksonville franchise to Tuscaloosa and we let uh, Nick Saban coach him up on Tuesdays and Thursdays and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he could do it part-time. They'd still win five games. Yeah. Um, that would be a hell of a lot more than the two that they have going on. All right. Um, we got to move on from this whole thing. Listeners, if you love getting cash back like I do, then you've got to get the Get Upside app right now. Get cash back on your everyday purchases without changing anything about how you shop or live. You'll pay however you normally do with a credit card or debit card, and cash back will be deposited directly to your GetUpside account. There's no limit on how much you can earn. GetUpside even works with other coupons, discounts, and loyalty programs. First, you claim your offer. Find local offers on everything from gasoline to restaurants and everything in between. Second, you spend. You shop as you would at your favorite spots around town. Third, check in or scan receipts. Check in to log your purchase and you'll be on your way. Finally, get rewards. Earn cash back and cash out whenever you want via PayPal, e-gift card, or check. It's just that simple. I love coffee and I get mine for free just by earning cash back from GetUpside. Download the app and get started getting your cash back today. Click on the link in the description of this episode to get started. Oh, you know, listen, the way things are going right now, Emil, and I'm not really checking the phone. There's probably a bunch of wild stuff that's gone in in the last 50 minutes that we've been on air here that we, you know, might have to jump back on and discuss. Nevertheless, we've got NFL and and, and college football picks to make. Here's the deal, Emil. We're going to make 10 picks right now on college football games. We're going to get out ahead of this thing because, you know, we're not certain we're going to be able to have a show for you next week. May or may not. I'm not canceling anything right now. I'm just saying we may not. And it's also good, um, I think, Emil, to give people a look at the whole bowl picture ahead of the bowls being played. I've always thought that to be a really, really good thing. So we're going to do that. We've got 10 bowl picks for you right now, and they're spread out throughout the bowl season. And then we've got our normal NFL picks. Amo, would you be against us going NFL first here this week? No, let's let's go NFL. Let me quickly recap because last week was easy to recap. Chad and I were on two of the same games last week. We each took the Dallas Cowboys, giving four. Uh, Dallas was up 24-0 at the half. They did their best to make our you-know-whats go into our throat. Yeah. But they won yes. the game 27-20. Uh, they dominated the game, even though the score might not indicate it. So that was an easy win. We each took a loss on the Houston Texans. Uh, we need to have ourselves checked for taking them, I guess. Well, they jumped out early. I thought we had it. I did, too. And the still, they they did Texan-like things and lost by 20 points at home to a struggling Seahawks team. So we took a loss there. And then here's where we parted company. Chad got a hard-earned win. The 49ers did their best. He gave you the 49ers minus one and a half. And midway through the fourth quarter, you're thinking, what a pick. They were up 20 to six. It was an easy win. And then they no just, better. I don't know what they did, man. They, the game goes overtime. Uh, they, they give up the early field goal. They score the late touchdown to get the win, 26-23. Doesn't matter how you did it. You cashed the ticket. You were 2-1. and one. Me, I didn't have that kind of good fortune at the end. I had the Bills who did the opposite. They came back from a 27-10 deficit with 10 minutes left, tied the game, went to overtime. I got three points. I figured, great. You lose by three. I push a game. I think I'm going to lose. I thought you had three and a half. That's right. Three and a half. I'm going to, I could even win, but no, 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 no. No, we got to give up a touchdown in overtime. A 60 yard touchdown for Brady's 700th. 
There you yeah, go. And you know what's weird, Emil? It was an overtime game, and the Bills had the ball first, and all the Bucks really needed was a field goal. And they yeah. got a touchdown. Well, all they need to do is push the guy out of bounds. If he goes out of bounds, the guy's going to run on the field, kick the field goal. The listeners are happy. I'm happy. Anyway, Chad goes 2-1. and one. That takes his pro record to 16-23 and 23 on the season. I go 1-2, and two, dropping me to 23-16. and 16. So that we had no college picks last week, so we move along. Yes, there we go. So um, since we've got the bigger thing with college football, we'll make these NFL picks right now, Emil. Um, I'm going to jump. In with the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to jump in with the Indianapolis Colts in this meeting with the New England Patriots. Um, big time matchup. And you know what? Everything about this line is screaming for me to take the New England Patriots. So I'm just going to flow in the opposite direction here. The Colts are playing good ball right now. They're running the ball better than anyone in, in the NFL at this moment. They've got the league's leading rusher. Um, that really sets up everything else pretty well for them. And um, they're off of a bye week. They've had a pretty good amount of time to prepare for this contest. And I think at home in a primetime game, I think their game for a win like this over the New England Patriots. They're playing good defense. That's kind of what allows you to, to, to do when you're running the ball so well. And, all, and, and while I pointed at this out maybe a week or two ago, um, a lot of these wins lately have come against teams that are not very good. I just think in this particular spot, they can rise up and um, get the win against a Patriots team that everyone seems to be talking about and giving a whole lot of credit to, and maybe rightfully so. They're on a nice streak. But I'm here to tell you it's tough to keep that kind of streak going, especially off of a bye, off of a, you know, a nice win against Buffalo in a division game. They may, they may be game for being a little bit off of their game right here. So I'm going to take – It would seem to me the personnel matchup here helps the Colts. They're home, and – it's going to be hard to bully them and just run it up, run it down their throat, which is going to mean, you know, Mac Jones is going to have to, you know, win a big road game here. I don't think the Patriots are running the ball for 150 yards this week. So that's my guess. I don't know. But so I like where you're going with that one. Yeah, I think I'm going to roll there, too. Um, the Miami Dolphins, I think they're minus 10. Um, I'm going to roll with the Dolphins in this one. There's no real reason for the Jets to go on the road and do anything worth a damn. Um, the, these two teams played earlier on uh, a few weeks ago, about a month ago in New York, and the Dolphins were good enough to beat them by seven. Then coming back home, I'll give the Dolphins another seven. Um, so that looks like a 14-point win for me. I don't know what the Jets are playing for at this point. The Dolphins, Amal, after starting off miserably, have a shot at the playoffs. So they're really, really playing for something here after winning five games in a row. They're playing really, really well on defense. I don't know what's rolling out at quarterback for the New York Jets. I know whatever it is, they're going to get the hell worth of blitz brought to them by the Miami Dolphins. And I just don't see whoever's back there being able to handle it. Jets don't play well defensively. So I just look at this being a really lopsided, one-sided game here. I'm going to lay actually double digits. Can you believe it? Not to, not to mention they might hit some clubs on Saturday. Yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> seems really nice down here around Christmas time. So I could see some Jets players missing curfew. Um, I'm going to go, uh, listen, they put my heart in my throat last week and I'm a glutton for punishment. I'm going to do it again with the San Francisco 49ers. They're playing good football. They're playing against a team that is another team that I don't know what they're playing for. Yes. They got a win last week at Carolina. I'm talking about the Atlanta Falcons. Can you see them winning back-to-back -back road games? No way. No how. Just think they, uh, rest a little bit off of their success last week. I, I don't think it's been a while since they put together back-to-back -back wins. 
Don't see that happening on the road. San Francisco is really making a push for the playoffs here. Yes, they uh, kind of fell apart a little bit late last week, but they showed me in that early part against the Bengals that they can play some really, really good football. I think they'll do that at home here and run through the Atlanta Falcons. I think the point spread is nine, if I'm not mistaken. Look at you, Chalky. It is nine. It is nine and a half. There I go. Put me down. Nine and a half. All right. So Chad's got the Colts minus two and a half. That's a Saturday special for you. He's got the Dolphins minus 10. And then the San Francisco 49ers minus nine and a half. They all look good to me. Okay, listen, I'll make mine quick and to the point. One. First pick is the Bills. If they don't win this week and win impressively, I don't know when they do. Yeah, the we Bills, keep saying that about these guys. But, you know, the, I looked at their schedule. The Bills seem to be bullies. And what I mean by that is when they play these types of teams, they don't win the game by 10 points. They don't win the game by 7 points. No, no, they'll go out and win by 30 against a team like the Panthers. It's when they get in there against capable teams, 500 and above, they seem to always find ways to lose. And I think this is the perfect situation this week where they're angry, they need the game, and they're playing the kind of team they like to bully. So give me the Bills minus 10 and a half. There you go. Next one. The Steelers are a proud franchise. I used this theory a couple weeks ago when they got points against the Ravens. It worked out well for me. I used it again this week. Um, The Titans without Derrick Henry have been doing it with smoke and mirrors. They're a well-coached football team, but I don't know if they're good enough to go on the road to Pittsburgh and beat a Steeler team that's going to be desperate. They're right in the thick of the playoff hunt. They're getting a point at home. Doesn't mean much. I obviously think they're going to win the game outright, but I think that's disrespectful to this franchise. They know this team's coming in here without their best player, and yet they're still underdogs. I'll take the Steelers plus one. You know, the Steelers were my fourth pick this week, and I just... It just feels feels like the kind of game where it's an ugly game in the Northeast this time of year, and Steelers win it like, 23-17. You know what I mean? I just feel it like that's the kind of game I feel like it's going to be. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And then finally, I'm going out west here to the team that you got lucky they didn't steal a win from you last week. I'm going to take the Bengals plus two and a half Mm. against the Broncos. They they just feel like the better team. I know the Broncos have had their moments this year, like the game they played down in Dallas against my team. Mm -hmm. Probably the best they played all year, but I think generally speaking, with the Broncos, uh, they're very one-dimensional offensively. They have a good defense. Uh, but I think Cincinnati just has as much talent overall as them, and they have the much better quarterback. Um, and I just feel like even though they lost last week, they're trending in the right direction. I like what I'm seeing from the Cincinnati Bengals. They don't quit. They play hard. And they're getting two-and-a-half points here on the road. Both This is essentially an elimination game in my mind. It's a playoff game. I'm going to take Cincinnati plus the two-and-a-half. All right. So recapping that, you've got the Bills minus 10 and a half. You're taking the Steelers at home. Are they pick them, correct? Plus one. I got them plus one. Plus plus one. And then Cincinnati catching two and a half on the road. All right. All right. The NFL picks are in. Let's move over now to the College Bowl Bonanza. Um, You know, and just kind of going back real quick to our discussion that we were having about the state of college football. Emil, I just remember the bowl games being such an event for me, especially the New Year's Day thing. I'd, I'd bake a whole roll of those Pillsbury cookies um, and sit down and from 11 a.m. to whatever time the Orange Bowl or the Sugar Bowl ended that night, I'd be in front of that television, don't bother me. And I would even watch the bowl games leading up to, you know, as everyone was doing their Christmas. Oh, Chad, everything in our 
you know, me and my friends and, and, you know, people that are close to me, we built everything too around New Year's Day. Exactly. I mean, oh, yeah. And, you know, Italians, we eat pork. I'd have my wife when I was, when I was young and married, my late 20s, early 30s, she'd make a pork head. Now, I don't know if it, but you got, see, pork is supposed to be lucky on New Year's Day. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, you get that in the oven and people come over and you start watching games and you just keep watching them until like midnight. <laughs> exactly. Um, you woke up watching a game and you're always happy when you're on the East Coast to get a game start before noon. Um, and you're there all day. Like you didn't shower. You didn't do a damn thing. Um, nope. you know, I might have even like grown some some beard stubble at age 12 sitting there watching right. the whole day. That's gone. But nevertheless, let, let's not get back on. It our- doesn't it doesn't happen. But here, let me go. Let's do it this way. I'm going to give five. You give five. I'll give five. You give five because we're going to do 10. We're, we, Chad and I went through the whole card. We've got the best of the what we can do for you here. So um, I'm going to start. I'm going to start you off a week. To, I'm going to start you off tomorrow. I should hmm. say is today, Thursday. It is Thursday. Yes, I am. I'm starting you off on Friday. Okay. I like Northern Illinois in this game against Coastal Carolina getting 10 and a half. It's a degenerate degenerate special, yo. (laughs) It is a degenerate special, but I've always felt Northern Illinois, as far as MAC programs go, they always give you a good effort. Right. I like like the program. I think Coastal Carolina lost a bit of the chip on their shoulder this year. They're 10 and 2, the really good year, but they're not getting the love and attention they were last year. And I just think this is a lot to ask of them against a pretty good Northern Illinois team, a nine and four football team, 10 and a half points seems generous to me. So I'm going to take Northern Illinois plus 10 and a half. Gotcha. Next game ruling right along. We are on, let's find the day. I want to make sure you guys right day. Saturday, the 18th. This one's not quite a degenerate special, but it's getting there. Oregon state's had a nice season. Seven and five for them is a nice season. Um, but I don't, I'm not willing to lay a touchdown there. I want Utah State this game. Give me Utah State plus the seven. This is a 10-3 and three football team. They got a shot to knock off a power five team. I just feel like this game is going to mean more to them. I don't know how you get jazzed if you're Oregon State. I know they're not used to playing in bowl games. Mm-hmm. But, you know, is Utah State's scalp on your mantle anything that is really that much to be proud of? I'm not sure it is. Mm. So give me Utah State plus the seven. Gotcha. Next one. This one is on Tuesday, the 21st. And I think it's a complete overreaction. You, you've you said this before. San Diego State's usually a very good football team. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they did in that championship game in the Mountain West. I was very disappointed out. by that performance, to be honest. They're a great defensive team. They gave up, what, 46, 45 points, something like that? Yeah. Um, a Brady Hoke special just wasn't I good. think that rubs them the wrong way. You know what, guys? This is a good game, a watching game. This is a game I might even watch along the way. Texas San Antonio's 12-1. and San Diego State's 11-2. and uh, They made uh, UTSA the favorite here. I think it's overreaction to one bad game from San Diego State. And I think a proud program like San Diego State, they've been a very good defensive club the last few years. I think they take that loss and that that drubbing to heart. They correct some things, and I think they go out and win a low-scoring San Diego State-type game here. So give me San Diego State plus the two and a half. All righty. Now, this one, I, I, I just don't see here on Thursday the 23rd. I've got to grab Central Florida plus six and a half 
against Florida. I know Florida's got a new coach. I I just don't think the focus I just, is. I had a feeling you were going to do this. I'm, you know, obviously letting the cat out the bag. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not picking a Florida game. But if yeah. I was, and while having been down here and listening to UCF players, coaches, alumni, fans, et cetera, how bad they've wanted to be included, um, they have all the motivation in this game. I do. And I don't think, I think it's going to be hard to get Florida Jack for this game. They have a new coach. There's change about. You could say, oh, they want to impress the new coach. I'm not sure the players care that much about a bowl game against UCF. It's not what Florida envisions when they start a season. It's not where they want to end up. I don't think the motivation is there. I don't think kids care that much. You know, you could, the fans may care about losing to UCF. I know that. But the, I don't think the players care as much. Give me Central Florida plus the six and a half here. All righty. And then for my fifth pick, and then we'll let you we'll cut over to you for a while here. I'm dropping down here to Thursday, the tw- or Tuesday, the 28th, a Fox night game. And I'm going to grab NC State, a good NC State team, nine and three, minus one against UCLA. Uh, the cat was out of the bag, to use your term. Chip Kelly was talking to Oregon. And was he over there cheating? Was he over there? Was <laughs> he had, a, he had, he had, he was on Tinder. Guy. He was on Tinder talking to Oregon. He was on Tinder talking to Oregon. And you know what? That has an impact. I think the kids see that there's not a lot of focus there. How, how focused is Chip Kelly if he's already looking for his next job? <laughs> I mean, yeah, might have checked out there. He might have checked out. And I think NC State, they're looking at a 10 win season. That's a big deal for them. They're looking at a top 15 ranking if they can get that 10th win. I think they go out there and they do it. And I think they do it easily. Give me NC State minus one. So Northern Illinois plus 10 and a half, Utah State plus seven, San Diego State plus two and a half, UCF plus six and a half, NC State minus one. A lot. I hear the dogs barking on this five. They, you, you know how early bowl games tend to go. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So for me, I'm going, uh, you know, let me start off with the one we agree on. And it's also the earliest bowl game that I'm picking. And I'm going to go with you on the Utah State. And it's pretty much for a lot of the same reasons that you have put out there. I just don't know the motivation here for, you know, Oregon State. Yes, um, they're not bowl regulars, but that Utah State squad low key, if I can use that term, is a pretty good football team. Um, and they're no strangers to playing in big games against quality opponents. Um, you know, they took on Washington State in Washington State earlier this year and was able to get a win. So they're not going to blink against an Oregon State. Um, they do a lot of really, really good things. Um, you know, they're obviously offensive-minded. That tends to go a pretty good ways in these bowl games because if you're not fully motivated, defense becomes an issue in these bowl games. And uh, Utah State's going to, you know, bring in a pretty good offense. I think that's going to be a problem. And, you know, for someone who's not in bowl games so often, um, yeah, who's Oregon State to lay seven points? So I'm going to go with you on the Utah Utah State here. So give me them um, as underdogs plus seven here. Now I'm going to roll over to um, something we may have seen before. This is Auburn in a bowl game against an opponent they may not care to face. And this opponent happens to be a really good opponent, and that's Houston. Now when you get out here and you look at the line, just – just basically looking at a line. It's Auburn Tigers. It's the Houston Cougars. Auburn should be a seven, nine point favorite. This is an SEC blue blood team going against, you know, someone that's not in a power five conference. They're only three points. That tells me something. That means, you know, the odds makers have 
taken into effect some of the things we've seen in bowl season where a team might have a problem with motivation. Auburn has certainly found themselves in those shoes in uh, recent history. And again, Houston's a really, really good football team. And if Auburn doesn't come to play, this 11-2 and football team that played in their conference championship um, could take them to the woodshed. They're going to definitely pack an offense. And you know what I've told you? Um, I said it on the last pick. In the bowl games, if you're not fully motivated, defense is what suffers. And it's not very good when you're facing a pretty solid offensive team like Houston. Yeah, I looked at this game. I really like that pick, too. It was one I just, you know, but I like Houston here a lot. Yeah, and you got a coach in Dana Horgerson who was at a Power 5 school and, you know, maybe looking to show his worth to head back over. Yes. I like him. I like him there in that one. You know what else is tough in bowl season, Amol? It's facing one of those academies if you're not all in. Again, it's going to speak to defense. And not, I can assure you nothing sucks more <laughs> than preparing for an option attack um, when that's not the thing that you do. Oh, I know the pick that's coming. Uh, Louisville 6-6. Six and six. <laughs> They've played in some pretty big games in years past. They've kind of been in the college football eye, and now they're going to this bowl game in Dallas, Texas, and the first responders bowl. They've never heard of it before, and they're going to face a service academy that always, Amel, seems happy to be in bowl games. Have you ever yep. seen an unmotivated service academy team in a bowl game? Never the case. And now you're getting this option attack, and I'm telling you, man, those guys in the secondary are pissed off. Like, damn, we're not going to see a pass. I didn't nope. sign up for this. Let me get my goodies bag, and I'm gonna just go out here and you know play yep. this. Game. So you're gonna be tackling. I can tell you that. Yeah, <laughs> and you're gonna be getting off of blocks, and you're gonna get cut blocks. Yeah. It's gonna be a lot of BS you don't want to deal with. So let me not go any further. I love Air Force getting points in this game. They're a nine and three football team. They're good. Uh, I got them plus one and a half. Do you have the same thing? Uh, I have plus two, but yes, we can go with one and a half. That's what you got. It's not gonna matter. I'm agree. I'm with you. Yeah, I think they might run these boys right the hell on up out of here. And then another one, which I think is going to be a really, really good bowl game. It's coming up next Tuesday, uh, or a couple Tuesdays from now, the 28th. It's, go, it's between West Virginia and Minnesota. Um, West Virginia started off this year looking like a, a really good football team, a team that might do something this year. Yes, they lost the opener, but they looked good in the games that they played, and then they just kind of hit a little bit of a wet spot. I just don't like the way that they finished out the year. Um, they didn't seem to be able to stand up against the big boys of their conference. They did get the win versus Texas. Um, and then they limped through a game against lowly Kansas, 34 to 28. And I'm just not sure which way they're going. I know Minnesota is trying to do big things. We saw them in the opener against Ohio State. Um, they played really, really good football there. They were solid all throughout the year. Um, they had a loss against Illinois that was a head scratcher, but they played hard in their games against the big boys of their conference, um, which included getting a win at the end of the year against Wisconsin. I just think this is a better football team, a more disciplined football team, and a team that's more likely to show up and be on point in the bowl game. So I like them um, as a favorite in this game. The numbers dropped down to three and a half from four and a half. Um, yeah, I think Fleck will have an easier time getting them to play hard in this game. Yeah, I just like. The, the whole um, movement of Minnesota versus that of West Virginia, if I could use that term. And then uh, I'm going to do something that might seem crazy. Um, there's a battle of North versus South Carolina here. Um, I know there's some folks that are kind of up in the air on Mac Brown, but you know what? Mac Brown is a, um, he's a bowl veteran. He's been coaching for a long time. And if anyone can get someone ready for a bowl game, I think it's them. And then the line was kind of crazy for me. When I first saw it, 
was North Carolina minus seven. I was like, man, that kind of just seems high on the surface. I think the odds makers are trying to get me to take. It's up to nine now, right now, Jack. It is up to nine. That makes me like it even more. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy as that sounds. It's like, I know know what you mean. Yeah. Why would they be that big of a favorite? Somebody knows something. um, And, you know, South Carolina is going to be wet behind the ears. Brand new coach here in a bowl game. I just like Max experience. And the explosive offense of North Carolina. I've come to learn that in these early bowl games, before we get to the bowl games that really, really matter, having a good offense really helps. North Carolina has that. And I don't think Howell had the year he wants to have, had wanted to have. And I think this is going to be a big game for him to showcase himself, you know, going to the next level. Yeah, most definitely. So that's my five early ones. Um, it's, Let me uh, recap those for the listeners. You, Chad's got Utah State plus seven. He's got the Houston Cougars plus three. He's got the Air Force Cadets there plus one and a half. Minnesota Golden Gophers minus three and a half. And the North Carolina Tar Heels minus nine. There you go. Okay, now back to me for my last five for this bowl season. I'm going to a game that, um, you know, I, I'm a little scared the line doesn't make sense. I But I do think they don't think that they're going to get a motivated team here. I like Clemson. Mm. Uh, You're going to give me Clemson plus one and a half. I know they haven't had the season that they wanted to have, and maybe they're not excited, but I think they position themselves down the stretch to have a good year. They played much better football, and they can get a 10-win season. And for a program like that, I think they're going to take some pride in that. And I, I just see as a power five opponent coming in, Iowa State, I think they can get enough motivation in, inside the program with Dabo losing some coordinators, rallying the troops to go out there and play Clemson football. And, I, I, you know, you give me Clemson plus one and a half, I'll be a sucker. I'm going to take them. Emil, I would never have thought um, maybe a year or two years ago or three years ago that a bowl game like this would be so important to Clemson, but it is. You've lost your longtime defensive coordinator. You've lost your offensive coordinator. You had your worst season um, maybe in, you know, in the last five, six, seven years for Clemson. Your recruiting class was way below what you thought it should have been um, this year. There's just they need momentum. And they do. And you know what it feels like to me? It's, it feels like one of those make or break years. Uh, as a Trojan fan, it, it was Carroll's last year at USC. He went nine and four. He left. He went to the NFL. Um, and it feels to me like this could be a game like that, not to overstate it for Clemson. Remember, there's going to be jobs opening up. Mm-hmm. Dabo Sweeney, you know, why wouldn't he be a candidate for an NFL job? Sure. I can't so, as an NFL coach, but that does never stops anything. <laughs> no, it never stops anybody. You know, you, you think if, if, if they waive enough money, you might not. So I'm saying I think it's a big a big game for the program. I think they want to keep the momentum and continue on as being one of the top teams in college football. Let's get the 10th win. I like Clemson plus the one and a half. Sure. Um, another game I'm interested in, a little bit here, I have to tell you, I'm a little bit of a closet pit fan. They're one of the teams I like to root for. I've never been a Penn State guy up here. I was my, my father and I. God rest his soul, he used to always argue he was a diehard Penn State fan. But when they played Pitt, I rooted for Pitt. Nah. But, but I don't Typical like Amel right there. That's so yeah. Amel. It is so Amel, isn't it? I don't like Pitt in this game. Um, I know they play a lot of offense, and I know Michigan. You know, they have a great quarterback, and Michigan State has trouble with the pass. But the one thing I like about this game is Michigan State. I like the coach, and I like the fact that they can run the football with an NFL back, and 
when you can do that, and Pitt's not a great defensive team, that keeps that great quarterback over on the sidelines getting anxious, wanting to do a lot more uh, when he gets in the game because he knows his opportunities are limited, and I think that leads to mistakes. This is a good football game, a 10 versus 12 matchup. I'm going to take Michigan State minus the one and a half in this one. Mm. Okay. I see you don't like that by the way you you did like my wife. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. Are you reading too much there? I don't know. We'll see. We're going into the next game here. Uh, this very next game right below them on the card. And I'm going again with the Big Ten here. They're playing Arizona State. Wisconsin always comes to play. You may not like like the way they play. It may be boring, but they're going to play physical. They're going to run the ball. I'm not so sure Arizona State's that interested in this game out in Las Vegas. Um, I know Wisconsin's going to be physical. I don't know what I'm going to get from Arizona State. I'm going with what I know in a game like this, and I'll take Wisconsin minus the seven. This feels like a game where they just out physical. Arizona State. I'm here to tell you, and this is kind of like references back to the Air Force uh, comments that I had. Wisconsin's the worst team for you to face if you're not all in in a bowl game. The worst. Exactly right, because it's going to be smash mouth, and you're going to have to you're going to get beat up. And if you're not, if your heart's not in it, yeah, it's not going to be pretty. Yes, I agree. Uh, and then I'm going with uh, another team that I'm definitely an open out of the closet fan of. I'm going to take the Miami Hurricanes minus two and a half uh, against Washington State. I like the energy around the program. I don't like the way they went about their business. I think they're going to have to clean that mess up uh, mm-hmm. the way they, you know, fired Manny Diaz and mm-hmm. everybody knew it except Manny. Um, but they got their guy. And sometimes when your guy's there, you got to go get him. And I think there's a positive energy around the program. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm that excited about Washington state here. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're going to El Paso, Texas. They, they're a seven and five team. I saw my Trojans drill them and USC was bad this year. I just like Miami here. Give me Miami minus two and a half. All righty. Finally, I'm going to a big game here. By the way, um, I was all in on the Miami pick. If Manny Diaz stayed, um, you know, yeah, I don't like. I didn't like, but I do. I think. I, I think Chris Cristobal's a charmer. Your old teammate. I think. Uh, I think. I think. You know, being around that program, there's some energy. I, I just feel like they're. Yeah, you could have a situation where guys are trying to impress them. I, I, no doubt. I just back yeah. off when when they had all the changes. So doesn't mean I don't I'm, like the pick. I just. No, I know. I'm going to the college football playoff here. Okay. I think the committee sent a message to Cincinnati saying, "Okay, you want to belong." I think. Unfortunately, this is a team that they're not going to catch by surprise. Nick Saban is here every year. It's like an annual rite of passage at Alabama. And if you look at their record in these semifinal games and what the scores usually are, they drill teams. And I I think it's no different this year. Um, They're given 13 and a half points. To me, this just feels like, I don't know, 34-7 or something, maybe worse. I don't know. I just, that's not a knock on Cincinnati. I just think Alabama is is playing some great football. They've got a quarterback that can light you up, and uh, 13 and a half doesn't feel like enough to get me to take Cincinnati. So give me the tide minus 13 and a half. Yeah, you know, Emil, I'm uh, I'm kind of on the opposite end of that. I think we might. That's okay. It would only make sense in this year for something really wacky to happen. Um, and I've kind of seen Nick Saban battling to keep his guys 
in tune, like mentally, when they were facing opponents that they um, were obviously better than, or at least the public felt they were better than. And I'm hoping this is not that situation, but that could be off of the Georgia game. Um, obviously, I want you to win the pick, but yeah, well, we'll is, see. We'll see. is the possibility of complete mayhem here. All right. Um, that's just five recapping Alabama minus 13 and a half. The good old Miami Hurricanes minus two and a half. And I've got my Hurricanes visor on. So that goes well with the show, Emil. Uh, Wisconsin <laughs> minus seven. Uh, Michigan State minus one and a half. And Clemson point and a half from Ohio, uh, Iowa State. All right. We're on the opposite end of some games here. So let's just get those ones out of the way. I am uh, on the opposite end of your Clemson pick. You said a lot of things in there that kind of will drive me in that direction. I'm not sure what's going on with Clemson. Um, with the way I seen the coordinators leave, what I saw happen with recruiting, and then I see the frustration from Dabo Sweeney and some of the comments that he made that we didn't even have time to get to today. I get the sense that there's something not so quite so right within Clemson right now. And that's just a lot to carry uh, to the field against a solid Iowa State team that just seems like the kind of team that'll go to a bowl game and be about their business and not get caught up in too much of the hoopla and just go out there and play the kind of solid college football that, um, you know, they've been known to play. And maybe, I don't know if if Campbell was, you know, thinking he was going to get one of these other jobs, but he didn't. And that could be some big time motivation for him. Maybe he wants to knock off one of the big boys and say, how you like me now, Notre Dame, LSU, USC, Oklahoma, all you guys have passed over me. So I just think he's going to bring a motivated squad to the table. I'm going to take Iowa State in this one. Okay. Uh, going to slide over to your pick with uh, Pittsburgh and Michigan State. You know, I, I probably made um, picks on maybe four, five Michigan State games this year. I think I might have picked Michigan State every time. So, you know, this is a team I really, really followed. One thing I did notice, though, in watching Michigan State, and I first really noticed it in their game against us, um, being Miami, not very good in pass coverage. Um, and they kind of. No, they're, they're not just not very good. They're god awful. Yeah, they're abysmal. They kind of just let everything happen in front of them against Miami and kind of, I don't know if you've ever, I always use this analogy, but. You ever played ping pong against somebody who is just not aggressive? They just returned your shot and wait for you to do something stupid like me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of how they played the Miami. Yep. Then I saw in further games later on in the year where they tried to mix up coverages and they just couldn't do it. They tried to bring pressure. They would get hurt in the back end. They tried to disguise coverages. They couldn't get it done. And if you look at that Ohio State game and just how if you look at the ledger of Michigan State, and you look at the scores for their games and how the Ohio State game just jumps off like, man, what the hell happened there? It really was out of the passing game. They got blitzed by the passing game of Ohio State. And if there's any team in a bowl that could do that, it's going to be Pittsburgh. Now, one thing that does concern me is Pitts, you know, lost their offensive coordinator. While that concerns me, it's also another thing that I know about coaching that I've talked about with you before, Emil, is when you remove an element for one game, um, it can make you unpredictable. So I think that's going to be a bit of a problem for Michigan State on top of not having what they need in that back end. And I think, um, this will turn into a track meet. If there, if if we're looking at overs, this would be one of them. Oh yeah, yeah. I just yeah, don't think yeah. Michigan. Yeah, when you've got a good running team versus a really good passing team in a bowl game, that's a that's a little pro tip here. Um, really start thinking about the over in that one. Um, yep. But I just think I don't think Michigan State can win 
a track meet. And I just think Michigan State maybe at some point had higher aspirations this year. And this is maybe not where they thought they were going to end up. So I'm going to take Pitt in this one. Okay. Um, sliding over to um, a game where at first, at initially where I saw it came, I was like, man, Ohio State fell, fell short this year. You know, this is not what they thought was going to happen. Um, you know, they probably thought they were going to be in the college football playoff. Now that they're not in it, can they really get up for a bowl game like this? And then I had to think, you know what? This team lost early to Oregon. So maybe in the back of their minds, they knew this wasn't going to be a championship kind of year. Now you've gotten beat by Michigan and you're suffering all of the backlash from that, the jokes, et cetera. This would leave them motivated. After all, they're not in some silly bowl game. Um, it, it's a solid bowl game that you're going to. It's the Rose Bowl. I mean, that's the granddaddy of them all. Yeah. I mean, it's not in the college football playoff, but it's still something that means something. And you're going against a Utah state that's maybe smelling themselves a little bit too much after beating up on the same team twice. That was a, an opportune matchup for them. So they may be thinking a little bit too much of themselves. If I've got any concern, it's that, you know, Ohio state didn't look good against a Oregon team that got physical with them, but that was early in the year. So I think they may be shared some of that up. I know Michigan kind of took their heart away from them, but I see that Ohio state passing game getting cranked up and being able to do to Utah, what Oregon really was not able to do. And that'll keep them out ahead. And, or I think Ohio state really has something to prove here. I have this at minus six. Yep. So I'm going to go with Ohio state. The Buckeyes. Yes, I am. Um, here's another one. Sorry about that. But, uh, um, we've got Oklahoma State against Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. Oklahoma State is another team that probably saw themselves in a college football playoff, and they're really, really disappointed in the fact that they couldn't get it done against Baylor. And then now, how do they pick themselves up from that? You know what I mean? Sure. I know Notre Dame may have also had some aspirations of being in a college football playoff, but they were on the outside looking mm -hmm. in. So there's not a major disappointment there, not making it in. So. Um, and then, like you said, with, with the Miami pick, I think this team's energized with having Marcus Freeman there. Yes, he's taking on a new role, but there'll be some different things. So I don't know from, you know, scouting Notre Dame if you're going to get much of the same things. Yes, I know Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator, is staying. But I just think there's an energy at Notre Dame that is really, really good right now. And I, I like them as, um, I believe it's a two-point favorite in this game. Two-point favorite, the fight in Irish. Yes, what does that mean? This next pick is serious. You, you <laughs> yeah, very serious business about to be about to happen here. Let me talk to our fans here, to our college football fans listening to this. The easiest thing in the world for you guys to do. This is what happens in the sports betting world, and while they clean up in Vegas and and FanDuel and everyone else now that's taking your bets and your money. The easiest thing for you to do is to cancel Georgia after they got slapped around by Alabama on that field in the SEC championship game. I saw people even talking about they shouldn't even be in the college football playoff. They shouldn't even be in the top five or six. They wanted them behind. Oklahoma yeah. Okay. And everyone else that's, this is the, this is the way they were talking during the game. And then some after the game, this is the way they wanted it. This was the number one team all year long that had as good a defense for up until that SEC championship game as anyone maybe we've seen in college football. Granted, maybe there could have been better competition, but we can't go back in time and really look at what some of those teams faced. I know this is a damn good football team. I know this is an embarrassed football team. I know this is a football team that lost to a team that kind of has their number that they've played against. If I were, crazy as this is going to sound, America, going to pick a favorite to win this whole thing, 
it's going to be Georgia for me. I know football. You know, what's funny. I'm with you on this. I am hundred percent with you that I actually like Georgia's chances the same way when Alabama beat LSU a few years ago in a rematch in, in the championship game. Yes. If there's, if there, I know one thing about the sport is that it's kind to those who have something to prove. And if there's one team right now, still alive, practicing college football to play games that has something to prove, it is the Georgia Bulldogs. They've got something to prove. They're taking on a Michigan team that I've liked all year long. I've been, I've talked about it on here. Um, it's amazing what they did in that championship game for the Big Ten, won in grand fashion. They may, they may have nuts that are too heavy coming into this game. And I think that they also may have achieved their life goal. And, and as, as much as you could say, well, wait, wait, they played the, the championship game against Iowa. Iowa might be this year's version of the Hawkeyes might be the worst 10 and two team I've ever seen. OK, I saw that one coming from a mile away. But Michigan's goal was to finally beat Ohio State. And, and I'm not sure that they might, that that Iowa game, to your point, might have reinforced in their mind, oh, we're great. You know, yeah. look at us. Look what we did to them. Exactly. They may have peaked here. They may definitely have peaked. And what they're about to face is no joke. It's not. It's unlike anything that they've faced this year. Um, Ohio State is not Georgia defensively. And I think offensively, Georgia's probably going to tweak a few things that might uh, Michigan might not be prepared for. One of those things might be a change at quarterback. And it's just going to be a problem for Michigan on that side of the ball. And just Michigan's going to find it tough to sled offensively against this Georgia defense. That's going to be. I almost made this a pick and the, it's an eight point line for me. Is that what you're showing? Um, yeah, I will go with eight on this one. So um, I'll tell you what, the thing that people have to realize is Alabama because of the familiarity and the fact that they have an all world quarterback, it's a different matchup. They, you, it's going to be hard for Michigan to line up and run the ball the way they did against Ohio State, against Georgia. Yes. So their quarterback is going to have to make plays, and I'm not sure they're equipped to do that. And he'll be under a ton of pressure when he drops back. So it's going to be a tough deal for Michigan. I could see 24-7, 27-7, something like that. It's going to be a hard way to go. And, um, you know, Michigan may just say, hey, listen, we had a good season. Um, let's just call it, let's just call it George, as they would say. So, <laughs> so um, wait, let's recap your, your, your final five here. Chad goes against me. He takes Iowa state laying the point and a half against Clemson. He goes against me again. What kind of friend is he? Takes huh. hit plus one and a half against Michigan state. Then he goes down to the Ohio state university laying six against Utah. He grabs the Notre Dame Fighting Irish minus two against Oklahoma State. And then in the college football playoff, he has Georgia laying eight over Michigan. There it is. We've laid it out for you. Um, when next we're on, we'll remind you of the games that are coming up, uh, the picks that we have coming up. Again, I'm not sure about next week us having a show, but we'll be back on again before the college football playoffs. And I think uh, a good number of these games. But if we're just in case we're not, make sure you write those down. Run the tape back. All right. And uh, check those out. You know, um, I think we've got a good slate of games here that we've picked and some really, really good picks. All right. We ran long here today. Blame it on Urban Meyer and college football, man. We got a little jazzed up about that topic. Did we not? Yeah, we did. We did. We did. But all right. Time for us to sign off. Go out there and get in, the, in that traffic and that mall traffic and go get those gifts that you didn't get yet. Feel sorry for those of you who haven't. I'm one of them. Um, so, um, and can I give a tip? Remember, if you're drinking eggnog, don't do it without bourbon in it.
Good Lord. Um, yes. Don't don't do that. Don't substitute. Don't drop tequila in your. In your no. Face, all right. Bourbon is the answer. All right. So you, I gave you a pro handicap tip. He gave you a pro drinking tip. If there's anything else more, you know, down the degeneration lines that we need. We'll hit you up on our next show on it. All right. But again, um, thank you guys for listening. If you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, whatever you're listening on, go ahead and hit the subscribe button there as well. We are bringing you some really solid content here. So hope you guys enjoyed it. And until next time, Merry Christmas, if that's what needs to be said right now. And uh, happy holidays. And we would like to thank you. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for watching and listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. Thank you.